0: Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast, a weekly broadcast about the Camino de Santiago, a series of ancient pilgrimages across Europe, culminating in arrival at the cathedral where the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred at Santiago de Compostela. I'm Dan Mullins, and I host the podcast, and I've just arrived home after walking from Lourdes in France to Santiago. Put simply, it was The Adventure of a Lifetime. I was interviewed by the Australian filmmaker, author and blogger Bill Bennett before I left, and I look forward to being interviewed by Bill again. There's just not a lot of point at the moment. I don't think I could possibly make sense of what's occurred over the last month and a half. I carried a guitar on my back for the entire 1,000 kilometres. I'm recording this on Monday, October 9, and I finished last Tuesday, Five days ago. I left Santiago first thing then, Wednesday morning, and I travelled back to Madrid for two days before spending almost 30 hours flying back to Sydney. I was back at my desk at work on the Monday morning. I was exhausted but exhilarated. So, if you'll forgive the indulgence, I'd like to tell you about my Camino. First, logistics. I chose Lourdes because I had a fascination with the Lourdes story. Since I was a boy, it was taught to me by nuns at my primary school in the small town of Toowoomba in rural Australia, now a bustling city. The story goes that on the night of February 11, 1858, a young Catholic girl, Bernadette, went to fetch some firewood with her sister when St. Mary appeared at a grotto. In subsequent appearances, Mary told Bernadette to dig in the ground at a certain spot and to drink from the small spring of water that began to bubble up. Almost immediately, cures were reported from drinking the water, and tens of thousands still visit the site, hoping for miracle cures today. I saw thousands of them, people being wheeled in by the hundreds. It was an extraordinary awakening for me. If nothing else, it made me incredibly grateful for my good health. Here I was, about to walk 1,000 kilometres. These people were hoping and praying for their lives. I stayed in an albergue at the top of the hill to the east of the river and basilica, an extraordinary vista looking across the whole precinct. At about nine o'clock that night, thousands march in a candlelight procession each night, singing Ave Maria. It's haunting and moving and being there for the commencement of my pilgrimage was again an opportunity to look at the whole event from the outside. I walked out of Lourdes at eight the following morning to the sound of the basilica bells, ringing out to the tune of Ave Maria. From there, I walked to Assan, staying in a small four-bed albergue beside the priest's presbytery. My only advice is to make sure you don't cross the albergue's keykeeper, Madame Lupi. She's not for the faint-hearted, I can assure you. From Assan to Urudi, in a night with the local parish priest, Abbé Pierre, we sang songs honouring his St. Joan, Joan Baez. Singing "We Shall Overcome" in Abbe Pierre's parlor with him singing harmonies was one of the highlights. One of the highlights of my pilgrimage. We actually limped into Arudi to find everything closed for afternoon rest time and played music in the presbytery gra- garden. Really, at the end of day two, we were traveling pretty well, from Arudi to Oloron Saint Marie. Beautiful countryside, French hamlets. And the beauty of that particular part of my Camino were the late summer flowers. The not-so-attractive part was mud up to our ankles. Uh, I arrived to a king's welcome at our albergue, and best of all, a laundromat. And some of the local legendary sheep's cheese. From oleron saint marie to L'Hospital des Blais. We sang for the hosts in our little hostel overnight, and it was just wonderful. And if, if from time to time you hear me say we, it's because I walked with an old school friend of mine, Brett, Brett Crosby, bingo, the brother. He carried with him a didgeridoo. We walked side by side, to and from, ahead and behind concertinaed throughout the whole six weeks and he was as much a part of a pilgrimage of my pilgrimage as I was of his but I will from time to time talk about me and I will from time to time talk about we when you hear me talking about we it's Brett my old school friend and I'll get to Brett later from Oleron-Saint-Marie to L'Hôpital del Blaise as we move north The Pyrenees loomed larger. It was almost like something out of a Lord of the Rings film. Those mountains looming that we knew we would have to eventually cross if we were to get into Spain. Massive skies hindered only in one part by a curtain of the Pyrenees Mountains. It was quite breathtaking at times. And as I say, daunting also because we were looking at them knowing we would one day have to cross them. And that day was approaching sooner rather than later. A stray dog joined us for part of the pilgrimage one that day. Matted hair, desperate for need of a bath, he was out on his feet and he walked with us for a few hours. But then I'm sure gave up thinking these guys are in worse condition than me. And we were. We stayed in La Hospital del Blaise in a little community center built for pilgrims just outside of town. You're left to your own devices. There's no hospitalero. There is simply a vending machine that will serve you pasta sauce and pasta, uh, cold drinks, uh, chocolates, uh, dried fruits, nuts, that sort of thing, and you cook for yourself in the, in the albergue. From there, which was day five, L'Hôpital saint Blas to saint just Abert. I walked on my own that day, a massive day of walking, huge mountains and treacherous declines. I arrived in St. Eustabair to find everything closed, no beds, there was nowhere to stay. I had actually walked past the town for about half an hour and then checked on my phone, realised I'd walked past and had to turn around and come back. So an hour's extra walking, I think I did 46 k's that day, maybe almost 50 Absolutely exhausted. I saw then a shell on the fence of a house in town and thought, well, I'll give it a shot. What 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 what's the worst thing can happen? And I knocked on the door, delighted to find Raymond and Anna, Basque people, Basque culture, Basque generosity. And it was quite simply wonderfully moving. And their generosity was Quite extraordinary. One of the things about them was how fiercely proud they were of their culture. Basque people and they were mountain people as they kept explaining to me. We ate mountain pig. We ate mountain fruit. We drank wine, Basque wine. And they were people who wanted to open their hearts and their minds and their culture to me. And it's indicative, I find, of the pilgrimage as a whole, that people are very giving. And and I'll get to that and talk about that more later in the podcast. But giving without wanting anything back. Sure, I'd paid them to stay there. I paid $20 for the bed and $20 for the meal. I mean, 20 euros for each, I should say. 20 euros for the bed, 20 euros for the meal really was worth double that. And particularly because they hadn't expected me. But I hadn't expected either their extraordinary generosity. It was amazing. And I left the next day with their mountain fruit, cheese, and bread in my bag, stocked up and ready to head to Saint Jean Pied de Port to start my Camino Francis. So from Saint Jasper, this is day six, to Saint Jean Pied de Port, across the G78, it was unrelenting rain, wind, Heartbreaking mountains and more slow, slow, muddy declines. I'll give you an idea of what it's like. There are three different types of mud. The first is up halfway up your shin and you can't move. The second is so slippery when you put your foot on, you're down on your knees in in seconds. And while you're there, you reach out and there's stinging nettles on one side and clinging vines on the other, pulling you left and right. It wouldn't have been such an issue had I not been carrying a guitar on my back. And there were certainly times when I thought, what on earth are you doing? But we made it, and I made it, to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. At times, oh, I forgot to say, the third type of mud? Cow patties. You think it's mud, but it's not. It's the message left behind by the cows heading up and down the hill. In actual fact, the mud was so bad in parts, the hooves... The cow's hooves were sliding. So even four-legged animals weren't able to navigate it. And here I was, trying to carry a guitar on my back, up and down these treacherous declines and inclines. We eventually got there. Now I think back on it and look at the pictures. I remember how difficult it was. But arriving in St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port, that beautiful, beautiful town, and about to start the next day, the Camino Francis, was... In a sense, a really good way to erase all of those memories. But, now I look back on it now, I remember just how difficult it was. Heartbreaking mountains and slow, slow, muddy declines. It's not a bad idea, though, to arrive in St. Jean-Peter Port for €2.50 beers as we prepare to cross the Pyrenees. I stayed in the municipal in St. Jean-Peter Port in a room with about 12 other people and two of whom became great pals as I walked the Camino. To Santiago, the fanciest way. So day seven, St. Pied de to Roncesvalles, over the Pyrenees, and we made it safe and sound. We got to Roncesvalles at about, I think, an hour before it opened. So if it opened at one, we were there at 12. If it opened at two, we were there at one. I, I don't recall. We got to bed easily, but many, many people were turned away. Indeed, we were at a cafe on the outskirts of town, later in the afternoon i suppose by 4 o'clock it had all filled up easily by 4 and all of those people heartbroken were walking past the night before saint jean pierre port there were 25 people who couldn't find a bed there are 400 beds for pilgrims in saint jean pierre port so there were 425 people who left to walk over the pyrenees that day so i think the albergue in roncesvalles valley takes a couple of hundred so there were quite a few who were told to walk on. Day eight, Roncesvalles to Zubiri. We were traveling well. It was much busier, though, than we had expected. Certainly much, much busier than France. In fact, we were the only pilgrims in France. Maybe one or two others, but very, very few. And here we were. I I called it the pilgrim gift. People were running to try to get the beds. And one thing I hear in my notes... I have written here, Spain is much more beautiful than I remembered. And yet France was spectacular. Here was Spain, giving it a very good run for its money. So his first couple of days in Spain really are breathtaking. I've written here a visual and sensory masterpiece. Was so blessed. Zubiri was wonderful because it was where we met Ruth and Lee and Gary. Uh, three of whom would become, all three I rather, would become my Camino family. It was also memorable because uh, that day we, we had a few 1906 beers and my colleague Brett made an a infamous exit from the cafe. Those of you who don't know about rugby league wouldn't appreciate this, but he was sidestepping tables like the great king, Wally Lewis. Day 9, Zubiri to Pamplona. A great day of walking in roaring Spanish sunshine. We made it to Pamplona just in time to secure a bed at Jesu a Maria, albergue. It's an old church converted into an albergue. The beds and the bunks are lined up where the pews were. That night, we had dinner Went back to the Albergue and played songs in the Albergue courtyard between the cathedral, what was once the cathedral, and the convent, the nuns' convent. Spectacular scenery, amazing acoustics, sitting there singing tunes for, for, for all of the pilgrims and having a couple of beers. It was absolutely wonderful. Soaring acoustics. I've written here in my notes the locals are divine, the scenery sublime. I could stay a week, but the Camino is calling. Day 10 was Pamplona to Puente la Reina, a steep and steady climb, the view so special it's impossible to describe, but spectacular and breathtaking. An Irish pilgrim I met said simply, you can't capture it, you can't describe it, just enjoy it. And that's very true. Uh, We arrived then in Puente la Reina, Brett and I. And this is where I want to tell the story of Arturo, and Nuria. For the first four days working, or three days rather, walking in Spain, we noticed this fellow, he's about 50 I suppose, he would often be walking backwards against the flow of pilgrims, or he would be standing with his hands behind his back, sort of watching us. I saw him maybe half a dozen times over those three days, the top of the Pyrenees, I saw him also in on the bridge in Zubiri. And I'm certain on the morning I left the albergue in Zubiri, he he had walked out of the albergue. And I thought, well, he's not a pilgrim. He shouldn't be in the albergue. But he looked to me to be carrying a pack. And he got into a car. And I couldn't work out what was going on. Waiting to walk, waiting to check into the albergue in Pamplona, I turned to these three young Spanish girls standing behind me and I said, I'm sorry, but I probably stink. They laughed, said, we all stink. Don't worry about it. And it was as we were laughing that I saw out of the corner of my eye the fellow we'd seen on the way, looking suspicious, walking towards us. And it occurred to me, he's the father. Sure enough, Arturo, Arthur, Arturo, had been keeping an eye on the three girls as they walked their Camino. So rather than being suspicious and a little bit creepy, he was, in actual fact, a Camino hero. So, we arrived in Puenta Lorena and decided we'd have to shower, we'd have washed our clothes, all our responsibilities done for the day, we'd duck down to have a cold beer in town. We arrived to find Arturo and his daughter Nuria sitting at a table outside a cafe. They said, please join us. So we bought a round of beers and included them in our shout, as we call it in Australia, our round of beers, a shout. And shortly after, a plate of food arrived. We said, well, we didn't order this. Arturo said, eat. He shouted us a seven-course meal that went for two and a half hours. The other two girls arrived. Nuria had had to pull up and her dad had taken it to the town of Puenta Lorena because she'd hurt her knee. And while they waited for their other two friends, we had a seven-course meal laid on for us. We, we offered to pay. We offered to contribute. He simply wouldn't have anything to do with it. He insisted, no, this is how we welcome you to Spain and this is the Spanish tradition, this is the Spanish culture, this is what we do as when you are guests in our country. It was a great day. It was unbelievable. I've written here in my notes, we're having calamari and beers and it's only 2 p.m. It could be a long day. It was indeed a long day, a long lunch, but I'll never forget it. And Artura, if, if you ever hear this podcast, thank you, brother. The next day, Puente Lorena to Estella. Magic walks through little Spanish country towns, 22 Ks at a steady clip. And we sang songs in the streets of Puente Lorena the night before, after our seven-course Spanish feast. And then we sang songs again in the albergue in Estella. Then Estella to Los Arcos. And our Camino tribe continues to grow. Canadians, Englishmen, Welshmen, South Koreans, Danish pilgrims and more. Wonderful people from all over the world all sharing our journey and us sharing theirs. There are water fountains for pilgrims all along the Camino. On this particular day, one with a difference, a wine fountain for pilgrims. And can I say, a very nice drop. La Rioja, wine country. Songs in the albergue courtyard, as I said the night before, and that singing pilgrimage begins to take shape. Something that unbeknown to me, would become really quite a huge part of my Camino. Day 13 from Los Arcos to Loroño, more wine country and Spanish hospitality, sublime culture, through Vanya where the following day they would hold their annual running of the bulls. Our Camino tribe checked into the municipal municipal albergue in Loroño, one euro beers from the vending machine in the garden, and as I've written here soon, the running of our own, Bulls, in in brackets, H-I-T. Last two hours of the day in light but steady rain, but it was all good, we were travelling well. I played that night in the Albergue Garden, I sang pretty much all night, while some of the tribe went for tapas, Uh, I decided to stay behind and sing. And the best part about it was pilgrims were watching from the Juliet balconies hanging over the courtyard as well, so... It was, it was kind of like a little concert and it was just magic, absolutely magic. I met some wonderful people that night who are still very close and dear to me. From there, Loroño on day 14, Loroño to Nahia, a steady walk through the vineyards. And I've written here, the ancient land reveals itself slowly via footsteps on a centuries-old pilgrimage. The food, unbelievable, the wine, incredible, and our Camino tribe continues to grow. We are, I've written here, truly blessed day 15 was from nahira to santiago domingo de la calzada an easy day decided to walk for an hour rest for an hour walk for an hour even managed a cold beer in a local golf club and it was magic sitting in the streets there under the ancient buildings with wonderful company the camino tribe growing 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 this is santiago domingo de la calzada let me tell you about santa domingo saint dominic He was around about the 6th century and was a hermit who dedicated his life to protecting pilgrims on the Santiago, the Camino de Santiago. In about the 10th century, a German couple were making their way on the pilgrimage with their son. They stopped for a feed at Santiago Domingo and in a local inn. And the innkeeper's daughter took a shine to the German couple's son, but he rejected her advances. So, to get square, she slid a silver goblet into the pocket of his jacket and then accused him of stealing it. The local police were called. He was arrested and was found guilty of stealing the goblet and sentenced to death by hanging. He was hung the following day. His distraught parents went on to to Santiago de Compostela to finish their pilgrimage. They decided, when they finished, to turn around and visit the remains of their son to pay their respects. They arrived back in Santo Domingo to find the boy still swinging in the town square. When they turned him around, he was still alive. He said, I have been praying to Santiago Domingo, to Saint Dominic, to spare me. It's a miracle I am still alive. The parents, delighted. Say, how do we get you down? He says, the boy. Go and see the mayor. Tell him to cut me down now. They run to the mayor's house. They understand he is inside with his fat cat mates about to enjoy a great feast. They knock on the door. The mayor opens the door and says to them, that boy is no more alive than the chickens we are about to eat. With that, the second miracle: the chickens on the table spring to life, sprouting feathers and beaks and tails, and dance around, mocking the mayor and his fat cat mates. The second miracle attributed to Santa Domingo. That's why, still today, and why I saw it with my very eyes, there is a chicken in the Camino in Santiago Domingo de la Calvada. There is always a chicken in the cathedral, and has been since the nave was built to house it, or to host it, in the 10th century. Santo Domingo and the Chicken. And if you remember that story, it'll come back to haunt us later. Day 16, we walked from Santo Domingo to to Bel Dorado, and that's one of my favourite days of the whole Camino, I'll explain why. Huge sweeping views across the trail, walked for thousands of years, and I said here in my notes, we're all pilgrims walking our own way, with a capital W. And special thanks to our families and friends who give us the blessing to walk. We are so grateful. Indeed, Brett and I hit the 500 kilometer mark on that day. Bellarado or Belderado is particularly special because we held a, a big feast and birthday party for our friend Jesper, a 23 year old Danish pilgrim who really didn't believe that he had the heart and soul that he had inside him. And I think judging from the fact that 16 people turned up to celebrate his birthday, we even had a special birthday cake made in the town, candles and the whole bit and singing and dancing all night. I think we just convinced him a little bit that if everybody else says, thinks he's worth celebrating, perhaps he's worth celebrating himself. And I think, and I know you'll listen to this, Jasper, that That's how your Camino unfolded. And certainly, we all knew it and loved you for it by the end of the Camino. Bel Dorado, still one of the most special days of my Camino. Day 17 was Bel Dorado or Belorado to Arges. And sometimes the Camino provides. This was clear skies, mid-twenties in the Camino tribe, moving as one. Songs and dancing in the albergue again, this time out on the street. And I've written here again, we are truly blessed. I suppose the more I say it, the more... (laughs) I believe it. The following day, Argis de Burgos shot out of the gates early, magic to find some space then to catch up with the Camino tribe in the ancient and wonderful alleyways and laneways of Burgos. And it was funny, with a bit of time and space, I was able to remember every word, note, of chord of "You've lost that loving feeling by the righteous brothers." And I punched it out that night for all the crew. Tapas in the old city. It was here in Burgos that I first confronted the concept that paying seven euro to go into the cathedral while beggars sat outside with their hand out, I wondered how serious the church was about the Beatitudes and blessed are the poor. But we'll get to that later. Day 19 was Burgos to Hontanas and we were finally on the meseta and to me... Because I began my Camino last year in Sahun, it felt like home. I've written here in my notes, our Camino tribe moves as one across the plains. It's breathtakingly beautiful. The energy is electric. You can feel the juju. And thank you, Rebecca Scott, for that term, juju. We're experiencing all the joys of the pilgrimage and loving it. A new song emerges somewhere along the way. I was walking from Burgos to Hontanas. And I'd been given sticks because I had shin pain in the front of my shins. And someone said to me, it may be because the guitar is forcing your your weight to be carried in front of you rather than balanced above your hips. So someone said, try these sticks. It was an English fellow, Gary, who was walking with us, part of our Camino family. And as soon as I started using the sticks, I stood more upright and I felt much better. The pain went almost in one day. Um, And I used the sticks right up until 150 meters from the cathedral when I left them behind somewhere. And Someone said, well, that's obviously fate. But there we are. The sticks worked for me, but it was the click, 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 click and the footsteps that gave rhythm to my walking and gave an almost metronome feel to what I was doing. And I started to think, what is this song in my head? I knew every word of it. I knew every chord and every note. I knew even how the middle eight, the the tricky part in the middle would work. I knew the words before they even came out of my mouth. That song was written not by me but by someone else. I was merely channeling it. Now I know that sounds perhaps ridiculous to you but I didn't write a single word of it until I got to Hontanis. I checked my bag in. I took the guitar up to a local cafe, asked for a piece of paper. They gave me a paper placemat. And I wrote down every single word as I remembered it in my head. And I changed only one word. Moon to soon. (laughs) I even remember what that word was. I changed only one word I folded up the piece of paper put it in my pocket I didn't even play the song that night in Hontanas in the municipal albergue about 15 maybe 18 of us were sitting around having dinner and it was Gary our English friends last night with us and I thought I'll sing the song what have we got to lose so I said look if everyone would forgive me I maybe I try this song I only wrote it today I'd never played it before and I played it off the cuff. And I looked up when it finished and everyone was cheering and it was almost like a wave had broken over everybody. The chorus says, somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, I hope you find what you're looking for, somewhere along the way. The following day, day 20, we walked from Hontanas to fromister It was a magic walk across the Mesetta. It's beyond beautiful. And I've written here, our tribe moved across the plains like an accordion. We moved together and apart, concertina if you like, coming together in the afternoon in tune. We lost, as I said, our tribesman Gary, saw him off with a sing-along and Camino hugs, a fierce Brit with a heart of gold, and we missed him. But we pushed on with miles and miles to go. Day 21 was from Mister to Sovartos de la Cueza. The meseta continued 38 kilometres that day. And broken up into 22 kilometers to begin with, and then the long slog, 16 kilometers of uninterrupted straight line walking. It was dusty, it was dry, it was windy, and it was hot, and I had Dr. Etienne walking with me, the French physician. Belgian physician, I should say, not French. Flemish, actually, I think he is. And slowly our pilgrimage and the pilgrims unwound. The El Camino moved with us, the towns, the plains, the people. It was just magic. More songs emerged, more hearts were opened. And we sang songs that night in the Albergo courtyard and in a little tiny restaurant where we had the lentil soup. It was at that time, I remember thinking, and I've written here in my notes, this Camino family now forms. And I just knew there were people there that night with whom I would walk the rest of the way and indeed would walk into the cathedral square in Santiago de Compostela. And we did. From Silvatas de la Cueza to Sahun, just 20 kilometres, and the Meseta drawing tour closed. It was kind of mixed feelings on that day because I remember Sahun was where I started my last Camino last year and I'm happy... Well, I was happy to be back in familiar places, but sad to lose the first 650 kilometres of new discoveries, the people and the places. Galithia was only perhaps a week or so away, perhaps a lot, not much further. But I've written here in my notes, we move on, souls dancing like flames. And there's a lot to be written and read into that, souls dancing like flames. People ask me what it's like, the Camino de Santiago, and I think souls dancing like flames is very apt. You have a lightness of being. Someone said to me, Lenny, the Italian pilgrim, said it was like being 18 again. You're more alive, you're active, you're fitter, or at least approaching match fitness. But I thought, and I've written here in my notes, there's a fitness of mind and soul as well. Day twenty-three, Sahun to Relagos. A late start after singing all night in an Irish bar in Sahun Camino. Moment in Relagos. When I walked into the bar to buy a beer, and there was a truck driver stopping for coffee, and he really didn't have a lot of respect for the Camino pilgrims. He sort of stormed. The truck sort of stormed into town, was sort of slammed into gear, and. The truck was very close to us and backing back, people moving their tables and chairs to make way for him, and he sort of stormed in to the to the bar to have a coffee. And I followed him in just purely by chance. And he turned to me, pointed to me, and said, You and I thought, oh here we go. He said, You singing last night in Saun. John Lennon. I said yes. And he said, my Amigo. Gave me a big hug, (laughs) shook my hand, gave me another big hug and thanked me for the tunes. I've written here, it's a small world, an even smaller Camino. We march on and we expected to farewell two of our tribe the following day, Ruth and the girl we called Super Marta, Marta from Barcelona. We, call, we sang tunes in the town square in Relagós. after Igor, the Basque Terrier, cooked us a local stew. It was a magic night. About 40 people sitting around in the town square. Just one of those wonderful nights under the stars singing tunes. And it was just beautiful. Just beautiful. From the next day, Relagós to Leon. It's not the prettiest of walks, but Leon is more beautiful than I remembered from even last year's Camino. The cathedral and surrounding streets are so special. You're, you're blessed to be able to live and breathe this extraordinary adventure. Songs, as I said last, the night before in the town square, quite a cr- crowd gathered to share our pilgrim sing-along. Day 25 was Leon to Dion Cedar, and I'm afraid I was down for the count. In Leon, we'd gathered to say goodbye to Marta, And indeed, to Patrizia, who had been uh, uh, the Italian pilgrim who had been infected or had infected blisters underneath her feet. And I had sort of twisted my ankle, but having a few beers on board, hadn't really noticed I had done as much damage as I had. So I went to bed and remember thinking in the night that my foot was sore, my ankle was sore, but didn't realize just how sore until I got up the next day to walk. So there's one thing here that's worth pointing out. In Australia, if you take an ibuprofen tablet, it is 200 milligrams. In Spain, thus 600 milligrams. So you would never think of taking three ibuprofen tablets in Australia, but you take one and maybe two, as I saw people doing in Spain, and you've got quite a lot of ibuprofen on board. It's... uh, to reduce inflammation a tablet to, infla- to to reduce inflammation so i took a, an ibuprofen and took a couple of panadols and walked on but really i was only about 12 kilometers out of town and your humble correspondent was down for the count that pain in my ankle lasted 12 k's and i nearly fainted when i stopped the pain was unbearable We found, fortunately, Albergue El Paya, the nicest people on the Camino. The Pilgrim tribe, my Camino family, said, We will stay with you. So Lee and Ruth and Brett and Jesper and even Dr. Etienne wandered past and decided to stay too, just to keep an eye on me. He said, We'll see how we go in the morning. I was down for the count. I had four hours in bed asleep that afternoon. And then the most extraordinary thing happened that night. I started to feel better. I had a lot of ice on the, on the, on the ankle, a lot of uh, heat rub as well. It started to feel like perhaps I could walk a small walk the following day. So sitting around having dinner with our hospitalero who was absolutely delightful. And I said I'll sing you a tune after dinner. So I started to play and I noticed that this man came and sat beside me. And from time to time, p- Pilgrims or other people would pull out a guitar and play along as we sang our songs on the Camino. But this time, I noticed he pulled out a Gibson 335 semi-acoustic guitar. Now, if you're not a guitarist, that's a very rare guitar, a very special guitar. Not something you pull out in an albergue in the middle of nowhere. I think in Dioncida, there are 23 residents. So we'd almost doubled the population of the town by spending the night there. Here we were playing tunes, this gentleman rocking out with me. Beside, I turned to him and said, what on earth are you, who are you? He said, we're the band. Said, what band? He said, the hospitalero, our hostess's husband, has a band. And I should have told you that this little alberga had a little courtyard, a little cobblestone courtyard with old exposed timber beams and that we sit, we sat in a newer part, the albergue, just inside, with the courtyard outside. I said, "Where? What are you doing here?" He said, "We're practicing tonight." I said, "What here, around the table?" He said, "No, in the band room." Said, what band room? He said, "Come." So he took us, the Camino family, me limping terribly, out into the courtyard, across the cobblestones, and boom, 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 knocked on this door and swung it open, and there was a drum kit, rock and roll guitar amps, microphones, a PA system, egg cartons on the ceiling, posters that have clearly been there for more than 20 years. Certainly it stank like people have been playing rock and roll in there for decades. And here was a five-piece band about to start rehearsing in this little tiny albergue. It was the most extraordinary thing. They said, go and get a beer, come and join us. So we did. There was the five of us and uh, a German pilgrim, Gottfried. Shut the door behind you, they said. Click, click, click. One, two, three, four. And away they went. Rock and roll. We'd gone from being in the most peaceful albergue on the Camino to standing side of stage at a Who concert. It was the most incredible thing. We ended up getting up and rock and rolling with them. We played all night. They played all night. We ended up sitting in the courtyard, leaving them to their devices. We enjoyed a cold beer on the cobblestones. Sitting with the hospitalera while the band played and we knocked on the door to show our appreciation. It was just amazing. Again, the Camino provides. The next morning, the ankle wasn't too bad and Dr. Eddian suggested I could go perhaps as far as Villa de Mazarif, about 12 k's. I've written here in my notes, I was walking like Yoda. Get there, I will. It was a most incredible night and we were able to just take in Take our time. And if I hadn't broken down the day before, we would never have experienced the night of nights we did the night before. But it gets better. About a week later, or maybe three days later, Jasper, our Danish pilgrim, received a message from the hospitalero asking how I was. And not only did she ask how I was, she said, wished us all the very best and thanked us for spending the night with her. Albergue Al-Bajar in the town of Dionceda. D-E-O-N-C-E-D-A. cedar. If you're in that neck of the woods, knock on the door and say hello. But in Via da Mazarif, we stayed in a little albergue, The first one as you come into town on the right-hand side because it had the most wonderful front garden with beautiful trees, picnic settings. We'd walked our 12Ks. We got in at about midday, a very slow day, a very easy day. Put our feet up, another day of rest and recovery. Slowly, 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 and we had to head to Astorga the following day. So lots of ice and rest, as I've written here, the recipe for success. Day 27, via Mazarif to Astorga, and I was back. 32 32 kilometers, going strong, good progress, slowly, slowly, slowly again. And then we arrived in Astorga. We ran into Dr. Etienne, enjoying a cold beer outside the cathedral. Now, every single day prior to that, I had followed the same routine. Check into the albergue, have a shower, wash your clothes, go out and get something to eat. This particular day, we saw Dr. Etienne on our way into the albergue. So we checked in, threw our bags down and went to have a beer. So we hadn't done our washing, we hadn't had a shower. We went down to meet Dr. Etienne. Four of us, Brett, Ruth, Lee and Dan. We ordered three beers and a glass of white wine for Ruth. And as is the custom in Spain, tapas arrived with our beers little piece of sliced crusty bread and little piece of chorizo on the top. We'd been walking for 32 k's, we're starving. We all woofed it down straight away, washed it down with the beer and I had some errands I had to run so I headed off. I headed back about half an hour later and Lee was lying on the ground. I said, are you all right? He said, mate, I feel absolutely shocking. I hoped he wasn't having a heart attack, to be completely honest. So I dragged him back to the albergo. We got him back. And he said, You know what? I really think I'm going to be uh, quite ill. So I grabbed a bin from the other side of the room, and sure enough, he was sick. I had to race him downstairs, then to the toilets. He was sick again. If you get my drift, I won't go into too much detail, but he was sick time and time again, time and time again. About two hours later I was sitting with Brett and a Dutch uh, Danish pilgrim Brigitte, and it hit me. I was back to bed violently ill. That's two of us two out of four. A couple of hours later Ruth sick as a dog an hour later Brett is swept away as well. All four of us who hit the tapas had full blown food poisoning and it was not very nice in fact it was vulgar <laughs> but the following day we, re- we rose and decided that walking would be the best potion and we were wrong it was 22 of the most difficult kilometers we'd done we checked into the wonderful refugio guacolmo in Rabanel del camino It's a British-run facility where they serve tea and biscuits for afternoon tea each day. It's run by the Confraternity of St. James and, as I say, a British organisation. It's very, very well run. I would not hesitate for a moment, suggesting when you get to Rabinal del Camino, you stay in Refugio Golkelmo because you will be very, very, very well looked after. It was at this time that an old school friend of mine, Mark Sherry, asked if I'd been able to make sense of the impact of the pilgrimage so far. This is day 28. And the answer was yes. And the reason I said yes was because the people is what it's all about. People you meet, you share with, and you grow together as one. It's a slow-moving family growing and moving together. And that's a true blessing. We met the Franciscan nuns, uh, monks chanting vespers, and it was a birthday celebration as well for the great Super Igor, our friend. Day 29, Ramonel del Camino to Ponferrada. It was an early start and a misty climb to the Cruz de Ferro, the Iron Cross. It was a magic morning. It was incredibly beautiful. We prayed and celebrated the achievement of reaching the highest point on the Camino de Santiago, and the the tribe moved on then with gusto because we learned something that day that will be with us in our hearts forever. Our Ruth was staying with us until the end. The Camino provides. We spent that night beneath the turrets of the Templar Castle, and I've written here again, we were truly blessed. We had dinner in the town square, all of us together, a huge group of people, maybe 20, maybe even more, uh, laughing, singing, dancing, It was just absolutely fantastic. Day 30 was Ponferrada, Via Franca del Biervo. It was magic, walking through the vineyards. And Via Franca, we stayed in Albergue, Phoenix. We were walking strong. We were feeling good. And just about every, every pilgrim we knew was in Albergue, Phoenix on that night. And I remember thinking, this could get ugly. Everyone is full of the pilgrim spirit. We're moving towards Galicia. But it got even better than that. You see, last year, I stayed in Villafranca del Bierzo, at Albergue Phoenix. And a friend of mine in Australia, a Spanish chap, Jose Luis, said to me, When you go there, you must look up my friend Pablo. I said, Sure. So as I approached Villafranca, I get a text via WhatsApp Dan is Pablo. When you are in Villafranca, text me. I text him. He said, I will get you tonight. So I'm sitting around with a bunch of pilgrims in the in Albergue Phoenix, in Villa Franca del Biado. This is last year when all I hear done, which one is done? I turn around. That's that's me. I am Pablo. Come. He took me to his five hundred year old winery. Has been in his family for centuries, five centuries. It was in the heart of town, and he had taken it over after reinventing the business, the family winery as an organic winery. And he was fiercely proud of what he was able to achieve, and rightly so. The wine was exquisite, but the place itself was absolutely mind-blowing. He transformed the front into a little cellar, a shop front, uh, a bar, and then the courtyard had been tidied up and turned into a music venue. And this last year, Pablo says to me, you must come and play here. I said, okay, I'll come back next year and I'll play. And he said, w- w- well, w- will you? And I said, yes, I'll come back next year and I will play. So here we are in Via Franco del Viejo. And I said to Pablo, I'm in town. Is your bar open? He said, no, but I'll open it for you. And I said, well, I'll bring 20 pilgrims with me and make it worthwhile. So later after dinner, 20 of us run down to P- Pablo's bar and we're there until very late, because each night in your alberga you have a curfew. It's either 10 o'clock, 10.30 or 11 o'clock, very rarely any later than 11 o'clock. It got to 10 to 10, the alberga was to, to, to close at 10.30. I say to the 20 pilgrims, listen, the best news about tonight, I've got an announcement to make. Listen to me, listen, listen, listen. I said, the best news is I have the code for the lock for the alberga." Oh, cheers all around. We can stay a bit later than we would have. Cheers all around. We get to midnight. Everybody would have their fill. And I said, folks, I've got some news for you. They said, what is it? I said, there is no code on the lock for the albergue. You simply open the gate and walk through. So a fair few of them were sighing. Oh, God. And wandered off into the night, leaving just my Camino brother Lee and me. And Pablo. And we were still there at a quarter to three. It was a wonderful night. I certainly paid for it the following day because from Via Franco del Biedo, you walk on day 31 to Olfebrero. Up the mountain. I've written here, I almost died today. The climb up the mountain was ridiculous. Not helped by the fact the skipper, as I called Lee, and I didn't get home until 2.45. Last night, sublime. Wine at La Torre with Pablo the Spanish King. Tunes in the 500-year-old courtyard and the tribe on a school excursion. I've written here, I hope there's no CCTV of us trying to open that albergue gate. It was quite extraordinary being at the top of the mountain, Othobrero, that night. Again, a lovely... pilgrim dinner with the big tribe big long table everybody chipping in for the food and the wine and the beers but we almost didn't make it that mountain was torturous unfortunately we only have ourselves to blame so day 32 o febrero to samos we walked in total euphoria magic scenery galithia started to emerge before us There's a theory that there are three stages to the Camino. First you walk to Emerge, then you find space on the Meseta, and into Galicia you unwind completely. Uh, We played songs by the monastery in Samos, and at times you felt as if the tribe would unravel. But I think that is that unwinding taking place. And then it comes back together again. Day 33 from Samos to Port Marien. 38 kilometers, pure bliss, the rolling countryside provided ample time for thought and consideration. And our tribe, I've written here, moves on together alone. What on earth does that mean? Walk on together alone. Well, it means that even if you're walking in a peloton or walking in a group, you're still very much alone in your own thoughts, in your own considerations and in your own almost trance-like understanding of what it is you are doing. We were then less than a hundred kilometres from Santiago, and, and and you start to think about the whole adventure drawing to a close. I couldn't couldn't wait to see my family and friends back home, but just give me a couple of days to enjoy what I was going through, the experience. So now we walk from Puerto Madryn to array easy twenty four kilometres in rising mist, and then a great story. So I told. Pablo that I would do the gig in via Franco del Viedo, but as it was a celebration which I should have explained, a celebration of the end of the wine harvest, he asked me to push it back a week, so to push it back a week. so I would have to, as it turned out, walk past via Franco Viedo and then get my way back to do the gig. So here we are, day thirty four walked from Porta Marin to Palace de Rey. Well, how on earth would I get me? and indeed the Camino tribe, back to Via Franca for the gig. Here, my dear friend and Camino brother Lee Roberts came into his own. He had invited a group of British friends to come to the gig, and they'd agreed. One, Felice, had driven a hire car, and Billy and Bobby and and Mick and their mate Clive had also come in a van from Olcorunia. So they picked us up on the way and drove us back to Via Franca. So we had walked to Palais didn't stay there the night. No, we drove then for an hour and a half at maximum speed to get us back to Via Franca. So the gig. I arrived to find Pablo had set it up, the most magic stage there, a lone microphone in front of a little band set up because I'd asked him to put together a couple of musicians for me. And I have given it a lot of thought. It was the greatest gig I've ever done. I started with an a cappella version of Down to the River to Pray," And I finished with a rock and roll version of Summer of 69. Uh, I played my songs. Brett came up and played Didgeridoo. As I said, this little Spanish three-piece band, Pablo, Danny and Nahim. They were sublime. It was absolutely fantastic. It was an amazing night, the courtyard is under the stars. Everybody had a wonderful time, singing at the top of their lungs, dancing like nobody was watching. And there's so much love in our crew. That I knew that night it was going to be very tough to say goodbye when the time came. We got up early the next day, And our British brothers took us back to Palace de Rey to recommence our Camino. And Billy and Bobby and Mick and Clive, if you're listening, indeed Felice as well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your extraordinary generosity. I I can't thank you enough for what you did for me and and my Camino tribe. From there, Palace de Rey to Malide, an easy day after last night's gig and the night before, And we had the pulpo, the octopus by the town square. Everybody has the pulpo in Malide and it's worth doing. It's magic. That night, uh, Igor kicked his sandal up into the tree and we laughed and cried and we all knew time was running out. Day 36 was from Malide to Opra Drula, 33 kilometres on our penultimate day. It was, up until now, the adventure of a lifetime. Words don't do it justice. And we knew that the following day would be very, very special. And an opportunity here for me to thank, for, thank uh, everybody for the messages of support and encouragement. I hadn't mentioned that till now because I posted so much on Facebook. Each day, everybody was very, very, very kind. But I knew the following day, from Opa Druda to Santiago de Compostela, would be very, very tough. We got up early, headed off early and didn't quite go to plan. We didn't get there nearly as early as we'd like. The Camino family split. I got lost. Uh, Well, I got split up from the tribe. I was very upset because Tom Petty had passed away the night before. I wasn't really walking with any great attention to anything other than what was happening in my head and that was singing a lot of Tom Petty songs and being quite distraught about the whole thing. And I left, I walked past the if the tribe was having breakfast, and I walked straight past them, so I lost them. I eventually found Brett, we couldn't find the others. We walked in, and on the outskirts of town, Santiago de Compostela, we sat and waited for them. But it was an opportunity for Brett and I to talk about our Camino together and to share our experiences and to have a couple of beers while we waited for the others to arrive. Actually, it was perfect, now I think about it. It worked out really well. Yeah, it did. The others arrived, and we walked together into the square in Santiago de Compostela, past the piping bagpiper. And words can't describe the elation, the relief, the joy, and the heartache, and the heartbreak. Here we were, hugging one another, our eight of us, our Camino family arriving together. Lenny from Italy, Ruth from Ireland, Lee from Wales me from Australia, Brett from Australia, Jasper from Denmark, Igor from the Basque country northeast of Spain, northwest of Spain, northeast of Spain, and Matt, the wonderful Matthew Fox from Great Britain. Here we were all together, tears flowing, cheering, high-fiving, and hugging one another. We had made it. It's impossible to describe what it's like To finish what I have called the greatest adventure of my life, we walked over a thousand kilometres, more than 1.3 million steps, and we were exhausted but exhilarated. And standing there in that blazing sun, I knew something very special had occurred, not just that day and not just that minute, that hour, but over that time over the five and a half weeks that we had walked brett and i together and over the last three and a half to four weeks that we had walked with our camino family something that could never be unraveled that could never be unwound we were pilgrims a pilgrim family a camino tribe and nothing will ever undo it so what to make of it all the friendships i made will last forever There's a feeling that everyone you meet leaves a piece of themselves with you and you with them. And that's by far the most, if I can use the word, enveloping aspect of my Camino. So let's talk about my Camino. Is it really my Camino? Because perhaps it's everyone else's Camino. And if you forgive me again, the indulgence. People said to me by carrying a guitar... I was bringing people together. I didn't get that sense. But others have told me that it was obvious to them. I think I was being selfish. But I was told, no, that's ridiculous. You were being generous. And maybe, just maybe, in enjoying so much of the giving, I got a sense of being selfish. I want to tell the story of the song somewhere along the way. Written between Burgos and Hontanas. I didn't write it. I channeled it. The lyrics, for what they are, read like this. El Camino roses, Santo Domingo crows. Believe you can, you're halfway there, seven bells to four. Frighten off the horses and An old soul awakes, a lion's heart, an opening heart, and a soul as old as slate. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, I hope you find what you're looking for. Somewhere along the way. Cellos on the soundboard beneath a field of stars. La familia growing, crossing fields afar. Will you walk beside me? Will you lead the way? Footsteps footsteps by the fountain carry me away. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, I hope you find what you're looking for. Somewhere along the way. And how will I ever forget the Spanish sunrise, the Spanish sunset. El Pagrino Cantante, the fullness of the moon, prayers beneath the arches and sunflowers in bloom. Words on parchment paper fill an empty room. And I hope this blessing, such as it is, fills your sails up soon. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, I hope you'll find what you're looking for. Somewhere along the way. I'll record the song before the year is out. So as they say, stand by. But I suppose one other aspect of the Camino which goes unnoticed to many of us who are pilgrims is the capacity to live in the moment. When all you have to do is walk, you have great freedom. It's exhilarating. It's as if the stress and pressure is lifted from you. The Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu said, if you're depressed, you're living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. I wrote often on social media while in Spain that I was blessed. Blessed for being provided an opportunity to walk. Blessed for being provided an opportunity to grow. And blessed for being provided an opportunity to live in the present. To my Camino family, you are the best. Lee from Wales, Ruth from Ireland, Matt from England, Lenny from Italy, Brett from North Queensland, Jasper from Denmark, and Igor from the Basque country. You carried me, both metaphorically and literally. And I am truly blessed. I met so many people who I'll interview for my future podcasts. As a listener, you too are in for the journey of a lifetime. Thank you for your continued support. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins, and I hope you find what you're looking for somewhere along the way. Buen Camino.